Kia ora and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley and this programme explores protection orders. Three months ago, the government reacted to what it called a horrendous rate of family violence in New Zealand by introducing 50 changes to family violence laws. That included making it easier to apply for protection orders. But many are still worried about how long they're taking to enforce. There are also questions about whether breaches of the orders, including online harassment, are being taken seriously enough. 2,246 people were convicted of breaching protection orders last year, up 14% on the previous year. Ministry of Justice figures covering the past five years show one offender was convicted of 11 breaches, another was convicted of nine, and seven people of eight. One of those charged over three representative breaches was an Auckland businessman, Stephen Wilkinson, also known as Zane Paul. His ex-partner spoke for the first time outside court about the psychological abuse she endured. How do I prove that I ended up living in fear, like I said before, about him jumping out from behind the lamppost one day with a knife? And those were really real fears for me. Now, you live with that. You you know, you can heal from a bruise if that's a one-off incident. You can physically remove yourself from a physically abusive person, but you can't remove yourself from a psychologically abusive person. The head of the Women's Refuge and Jury says women reaching out for help should not be treated as if they're crying wolf. Most people that I know of uh, and most people that we work with in our organisation They're not the sorts of people who go running off to the police every five minutes just because. You know, when they go to the police, it's because there is a problem. They're frightened. A member of the Law Society's Family Law Committee, Melanie Baker, describes protection orders as one tool that women in need have, but says they only work if they're properly enforced. She often hears about police taking too long to even serve the notices and often they're not brought to the person's attention until there's an issue. So the police, of course, are called to an incident or go looking for the person in relation to an allegation of a breach, and then it's a, a matter of serving the person at that time. I'm Carla Penman, and this insight looks at how well protection orders are working, has the rise of social media made enforcing them more difficult, and how well are agencies responding to reported breaches. The failed Far North mayoral candidate Alan Titford has begun a 24-year jail sentence for the violent abuse of his wife and family over more than two decades, as well as other charges against him, including arson. For more than half of Yolanda Titford's life, she was subjected to physical and psychological abuse at the hands of her father, Northland farmer Alan Titford. At his sentencing in November 2013, Judge Duncan Harvey summed up Titford's reign of terror. Almost from the time that you married Susan Cochran in 1989 until the time she finally left you, you ruled your family by fear. The evidence that I heard from your wife and children make it clear that you just destroyed any chance of happiness that they had. In effect, as I have said, you robbed them of their childhood by your senseless anger and vicious physical assaults on them. Yolanda Titford suffered physical abuse from her father and later at the hands of her former partner, Jean Hannan. I caught up with Yolanda Titford, who is now 21, at her home north of Whangarei, where she lives with her new partner and her four-year-old son, Xavier. 
with a pained expression, she talked about when things turned sour with Hannum and he started hitting her. She says he tried to get them back, but after those efforts escalated into threats to kill her and her son, she went to Women's Refuge and they helped her to get a protection order against him. Yolanda says it took up to two weeks for the police to serve him with the order. Her former partner continued to make contact and breached the order three times. Yeah, so one of the breaches was when we met up to exchange items and then he took the, um, the keys out of my car and then told me to pick up the stuff out of the car he was in and it was on the floor so I went to pick it up and he tried pushing me into the car and yeah, pulling my pants, trying to pull my pants down and that. And then, like, yeah, I kicked him. <laughs> and then he tried locking me in there. So I jumped out the front of it. And then, like, I kept walking to the opposite side of the cars, trying to stay away from him. And then when I finally got into my car, I didn't, like, really notice that he had the keys. So I was, yeah, freaked out. But then some of his meant-to-be mates came and helped me because they stopped seeing what was happening. And then when I finally left, I went back to my mum's house, and because I was upset, yeah, I finally told my mum what happened, so she rang the cops. And then the next one was at the hospital, because my partner now ended up in hospital, and me and my sister pulled in, because I had to go to an appointment, pulled back in, and I didn't notice that he was following me. My sister noticed him, because I didn't notice he was going around, because I was at Bangaday Hospital. And then, yeah, started yelling some stuff out the window to me, asking me to get in the car and that. Yeah, so that was the next one. But I yeah, didn't listen to him. I walked straight into the hospital. She again reported the breach to the police. And then the one after that was when him and his stepdad turned up to the farm we were at and started taking items and that. And yeah, I rang the police. That's when turned up. And then by then, Jean and the stepdad had was leaving, but then met them at the end of the driveway and then brought Jean back up to the house. Yolanda says it wasn't until she went to another officer, a woman who she described as really nice, that the breaches were taken seriously and Hannum was arrested. Upset about the way the senior constable treated her, she decided to lay a formal complaint against him. Friends with Jean and his family, like close friends. So it was like, yeah, instead of helping me, the person with the protection order, he helped his mates out instead. In May last year, Hannum was jailed at the Whangarei District Court for two years and four months for three breaches of a protection order and assault with intent to rape. Hannum was one of 874 people jailed for protection order breaches in 2015. That's up from 742 in 2014. Stuart Henderson is a Whangarei-based lawyer who's worked in family law for 46 years. He says he tells his clients, men and women, at opposing ends of the protection order that the order is just a piece of paper but can help in some cases to reduce violence. Mr Henderson says the men he defends are almost always bitter and unhappy. Wanting to prove that they're not the bad person who's depicted in the documents and that there's lies and there's always two sides to every story about an incident that happened in the past. There's always the, well, no, I didn't hit her, I did push her into the wall. He says a number of factors drive them to repeatedly breach. 
It often comes from what they've learned at home. In fact, more often than not, it comes from what they've learned at home. And, and more often than not, it, it's behaviour which, because of the emotional stress, they're not really able to do other than behave badly. And yes, multiple offences. You work with a client like that to try and get them to move on. Uh, sometimes there is a mental difficulty and obsessiveness that I'm not qualified, but maybe somewhere on the spectrum towards autism that simply doesn't allow them to really have insight and understand themselves. That level of concern is shared by a number of agencies, including Women's Refuge, who say the hard part isn't necessarily reporting a breach when it happens, but the speed at which the police respond. There are also worries over the assessment of breaches and whether or not they go before the courts. And Jury thinks the police should arrest an offender for every reported breach. Regardless of how minor or whatever that might be, um, that breach should be before the court. Police prosecutions should prosecute each and every breach and put it before the courts and let the courts decide whether it was a breach. It's not something, I believe, that should be left to the subjective understanding of any particular police officer. The police's National Family Violence Manager, Inspector Fleur de Bess, says they take all breaches seriously, whether they be threatening Facebook messages or sending unwanted gifts. Every breach of a protection order should be responded to with urgency. It's a court-ordered um, document and we respond as a priority. Once there, our staff are responsible for ensuring they investigate thoroughly and then putting a file together um, as part of a prosecution package. Ultimately, it is for our police prosecution service to make the final judgment around charging. She says they're doing their best to upskill themselves on responding to breaches. We want to make sure our staff don't become immune to these events, um, given the number of repeat calls they receive, and we want them to be focused on the victims and trying to prevent further harm in the families. So to ensure this, we are constantly changing and evolving how we work. Um, that includes redesigning how we train our staff. There's been significant changes in recent years to our recruit training, and that in turn has now been reflected with wider ongoing training that we deliver to our staff. Based in Lower Hutt, Melanie Baker specialises in family law and is on the Law Society's Family Law Committee. She believes the court system deals to protection orders quickly, but often hears about delays at the police's end. Once the order's made and sent out for service, um, then it's expected that, as I say, the police and all the court bailiffs will attend to service. That then becomes out of our hands. We're expected to provide the most up-to-date information that we can about um, the location and whereabouts of the respondents. But um, often, as I say, there are delays and often they're not brought to the person's attention until there's an issue. So the police, of course, are called to an incident or go looking for the person in relation to a, an allegation of a breach and then it's a, a matter of serving the person at that time. She says this means that the police can only warn the offender for breaching. And they're not able to often arrest for that because they, um, the person, of course, was not aware that the order had been granted until that moment. So it is really critical that um, there are sufficient police resources, I guess, and that's what it always boils down to. Ruahine Albert, who runs the Waikato Women's Refuge Te Whakaruruho, has never been a supporter of protection orders. If they're going to be of any use, they need to work immediately. 
as soon as there's a breach, whether it's a stalking, whether it's identifying the person X amount of metres away, if that's what's clarified in the protection order, then that's a breach. But then there has to be, there's usually proof then, so the woman can ring uh, the police straight off and then they say, well, you're the only other one that knows. You know, so there's no, unless you have witnesses, I find it quite vague um, and they're not as assisting the orders as what I'd expect them to be. She says the number of women facing family violence who are coming to them for help is continuing to climb, putting a real strain on staff. I mean, we're way over-delivering on the cases that we get paid for from the government. So we get paid for 1,500 cases a year, and we will do up to three, 4,000. So How many did you do last year? Last year was, well, it was a bit lower. I think it was about 6,500. 6,500? Yeah. But if we stopped at 1,500, we'd knock that out in about three months. That's our casework. So, um, and we've done that, and we've sort of been warned by government um, with our auditors and that, that you need to stop, you need to say no. This is where our crisis team... A team leader at the <laughs> refuge, Raywin Curtis, says it's never been busier. On Thursday we had something like 30 families um, and one day that we had to um, attend to. Over the weekend we had another 50 come through yesterday, so it's real busy for this time of the year. We usually start to get busy, but not like we have been. We're not sure what's happening. Yesterday, talking about protection orders, yesterday, we, um, within less than an hour, I had referred five women for protection orders. Now, that's for me, I've never had to refer that many, um, and it was probably about 45 minutes. She says almost every day she hears women talk about being stalked by their ex-partners on social media. We have women that say, look, you know, fire sometimes I'd rather he just hit me and get it over and done with than I can't stand all this head stuff. You know, all the mind games and that that he's playing, you know, or threatens to take the kids and, you know, and he doesn't really want the kids, but he, it's one way of getting her or getting her to come back. Ange Jury from Women's Refuge says it's worrying how offenders are managing to turn the new media to their own advantage. We're seeing things like messages on Facebook and emails and sort of creepy, creepy, stalky stuff. I think, is is becoming far more common. And I was talking to um, NetSafe the other day and talking about the harmful digital communications bill. Now, for some reason, I had thought that the majority of prosecutions that were being undertaken under that legislation were around bullying, you know, teenage school stuff. And there'd been something like 39, I think, prosecutions taken, and they were all intimate partner Instances. She says offenders are hacking into victims' Facebook and LinkedIn accounts and sending messages to friends, pretending to be them. Ms Jury says a breach might appear minor on the face of it, but added on top of everything else, it's not. Things like coming home from work one day and finding a bunch of flowers or a present or something on your back doorstep, you know, that's, that's actually scary for someone who doesn't think someone knows where they are. Um, and getting that taken seriously when it looks like a nice gesture. So it's the same sort of process that we need to go through with technological violence. So we need to have it become understood that receiving 50 protestations of undying love and apologies and all of the rest of it is just as abusive. 
an Auckland businessman, Stephen Wilkinson, who also goes by the alias Zane Paul, was sentenced to four months electronically monitored community detention for three representative breaches of a protection order. I spoke to his ex-partner about her experience at a dumpling bar in downtown Auckland, although their relationship had developed in Christchurch. To protect her identity, her voice has been disguised. The woman, who we will call Jane, says he contacted her over LinkedIn two years ago and a year-long on-and-off relationship began. She says things started to deteriorate almost straight away with waves of strange behaviour. Jane says it was a particularly difficult time in her life and he took advantage of that. I lost my brother to suicide during that time so I was emotionally very vulnerable um, and that made me incredibly susceptible to his so-called desire to take care of me and I needed the emotional support that he kept offering and all that kind of thing um, which kept bringing me back to try and make it work. She says they split up and a two-week period of hell ensued. I got the protection order, it was literally the day after he turned up at my house at night. Um, he had sent me a number of personal messages on Facebook which were basically threats to kill, well that's how I read them. Um, there had been an arson at my house the previous week, which I obviously knew was him, so allegedly and he'd sent me burning down the house by talking heads as a gift on iTunes that night with a message, nasty message, um, saying that I was going to meet my brother in hell. So it was all very much like I thought I was going to die. She says the police took too long to serve the protection order. So the police called him because they wanted to talk to him about a couple of incidents, obviously the, the night before. He refused to give them his address. Um, and they have no power to make him give that. So I was advised to basically leave town or go into hiding until they could catch up with him and serve him with the order. So I was away for five days. I missed two days of work um, until I got the phone call that he had brought himself into the police station um, and he had been served with the order. But the order didn't give Jane much reassurance. She says he emailed her using fake accounts. And I read it and it was just the most dark, twisted, scary words, like someone clearly unstable. Um, there was mention of a piece of paper, like keep me safe or something like that, which was obviously a reference to the protection order. There was a reference to um, a previous address where I think he thought my daughter was living, so it was like he was stalking my daughter, um, if I wanted a fight I was going to have one, but those kind of things like, you know, don't think it's over yet. Jane says she reported it to the police and they told her to continue collecting emails to build a case against him. She says things escalated and he started targeting her friends as well. The woman who owns this bar and across the road, he started coming in here and harassing the staff and she trespassed him and then he, there's evidence that he was stalking her house uh, and he was actually charged with leaving a hangman's noose on the bonnet of her car made out of a tie that I had gifted him. Uh, that charge was dropped, uh, that was one of the charges that were dropped. 
but yeah, a death threat to her or some sort of reference to my brother's suicide, whatever, uh, you know, a hangman's noose is a scary, scary gesture. She says the police in Christchurch were willing to charge him for the breaches, but when he moved to Auckland, nothing happened. Then it had to await being assigned an officer um, at Glen Innes Station, which was the closest station to where he was living. Um, and that's one of the busiest stations in the country. Uh, and it didn't get, they actually called him in reasonably quickly and questioned him, but he denied it all, obviously, and they felt they didn't have enough evidence to charge him. So what happened is, and this is probably the, the biggest criticism I have of the police handling of my case, was they shouldn't have questioned him without charging him because unfortunately that just inflamed him greatly. And what he did then was apply for a protection order against me because I was making it up that I wasn't leaving him alone, I was stalking him, I was trying to destroy his life and I'd probably send the emails to myself to set him up. Jane says he had six other alleged victims, including partners before and after her, but all other charges involving them were dropped. She says there should be zero tolerance for all protection order breaches. In September, the government announced its $130 million four-year plan for tackling family violence. That included making it easier to apply for protection orders, flagging criminal records with family violence offending and allowing others to apply for an order on a victim's behalf. New special offences such as non-fatal strangulation were brought in as experts, including the New Zealand Law Society, described the offence as an important risk factor in a future fatal attack. A Law Society report said strangulation was a uniquely effective form of coercion, intimidation and control. 66 extra police officers have also been assigned to help enforce the changes. The Justice Minister, Amy Adams, says protection orders are effective, but they aren't magical. And that's why a big part of our reforms is ensuring that more victims can get access to, to protection orders where that would be, uh, would be beneficial. And in fact, the assessment uh, of the package suggests that we're going to see an extra up to 1,000 protection orders a year being granted. And because of that, uh, we, we're estimating to see a reduction of about 1,200 serious violent offences every year. She says it's not just about handing out a piece of paper to offenders and telling them to follow the rules. It's also about ensuring we use that opportunity to say what's going on in this family, what is the risk, have we got the right tools in place, but also with the offender, to look at the offender and say what sort of programmes do we need to put around the offender to help manage that behaviour. Ruahine Albert from the Waikato Women's Refuge says women more often than not don't need someone else to apply for a protection order on their behalf. The problem is about the action of it. You know, so one, it has to be that the woman really wants to have that. But she'd probably want to have it if it worked. You know, if it worked with the police and they got it through the gate and then the, the courts, and then they efficiently addressed that within less than a week, hey, there'd be heaps of people that would they'd trust it. But why aren't these orders getting served more quickly? Despite the strengthening of family violence laws under a Safer Sooner campaign, Labour's family violence spokesperson, Porto Williams, says the government's continuing to ignore how desperately support agencies need more funding. 
if you are really serious, then you want to engage those groups and get them working really well. They cannot do that unless they're resourced to do so. I mean, I think the message that they're sending with only having 66 additional police to deal with the Safer Sooner programme sends a message that, uh, well, they don't really know the extent of the problem. She says there needs to be a long-term target, similar to the smoke-free Aotearoa 2025 goal. Attitudes towards um, smoking have changed. That's the kind of approach we need to take with family violence. We kind of need to say a violence-free Aotearoa by a specific date and actually start working towards that. So how committed are authorities to improving how protection orders are dealt with? At the start of this programme, Yolanda Titford spoke of the abuse she suffered and how she felt abandoned by the police. After 21 months, there still hasn't been a report following her official complaint. In fact, she's heard very little from the police. At first they were ringing all the time. All that I've heard for the last maybe eight months or so is that they're working on it and it's getting sent to a higher person each time. But nothing besides that. It wasn't until August this year that the Independent Police Conduct Authority, which is overseeing the police's investigation, confirmed to Insight the complaint was almost concluded and the final decision would be made shortly. In late October, the police said they had spoken to Yolanda Titford and a decision was expected within weeks. The following day, the Northland Police said in an email... This employment investigation is yet to be concluded and until such time, consideration of your request cannot be actioned. I can confirm that Ms Titford has also stated that she does not wish to have her personal details and circumstances disclosed to the media. This message from the police isn't what Yolanda Titford told me. She's always been happy to speak with me and to be interviewed for this programme. A fortnight ago, the Northland Police told me... This matter has not been finalised and a further meeting is planned for the 30th of November 2016. We have kept the complainant updated regarding this investigative process and she will be informed of the outcome upon completion. And Jury says the way the police have dealt with Miss Titford's case is beyond ridiculous. She questions what the police are meeting for so far down the track and what the hold-up is. Ms Jury considers Ms Titford's case to be an example of the huge variation across the country in the way the police handle domestic violence. Inspector Fleur de Best says she cannot comment on Yolanda's case given it's still under investigation. What I would like to say and reassure the public is that we do take breaches of protection order seriously and um, we need that trust and confidence of the public to actually report those breaches to us. Yolanda Titford says the slowness of the investigation is unfair and she just wants it all to be over with so she can get on with her life. Like I want to be a photographer and and, like get a job and stuff. But like in a way I'm a bit scared to get a job just in case like like if I work in a shop that him or one of his family members might walk in. So like it freaks me out a bit. <laughs> Stephen Wilkinson's victim, Jane, says she still feels helpless. I've pleaded with the courts to, to understand that there's something going on there. Uh, I don't think that personality disorders and mental illness are handled particularly well through our uh, court system. And until there is more awareness about 
these sorts of behaviours and personality disorders, I think it's going to be a long road and that people are going to have to fight this sort of battle without necessarily understanding what they're fighting. Amy Adams insists they're heading in the right direction with reducing family violence, while Anne's jury says support agencies are crying out for more money to help them cope with the scale of the demand. I'm Carla Penman, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this program, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at InsightRNZ. That programme was written and presented by Carla Penman. It was produced by me, Philippa Tolley, and Teresa Cowie, with technical production by Phil Benge. If you'd like to hear other programmes, have a wander around our website at radionz.co.nz forward slash insight. Or head to iTunes, and so you don't miss out, subscribe and give us a rating. Cheers, and great to have you listening.